This episode is brought to you by Skinny Pop Popcorn. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious. Oh, so light and crunchy. Skinny Pop Original Popcorn is the snack you've been searching for. Made with just three simple ingredients, popcorn kernels, sunflower oil, and salt. Snacking never felt or tasted so good. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious. Give yourself permission to snack and pick up Skinny Pop Original Popcorn today. Welcome to the Podcast Maneuver, the officially unofficial podcast for Picard on CBS All Access. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about season five, season one, episode Oof. six. Oof. We're not there yet. We're in the, we, 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 we slingshot around the sun. Uh-huh. And now we're from the future. It's called The Impossible Box. Uh, Aaron, what'd you think of it? Uh, stop me if you've heard this, but there's some really good things in this this television episode, and there were some really bad things in this television episode. Although <laughs> I, I got to say, that I think the lows weren't that low. No, they were. Um, I, I was pretty much cool with everything that happened this week. Yeah, I, I will say I got a little PTSD from uh, the guy mm-hmm. saying I want to show you an old Romulan yep. tradition, and he takes her to a shiny place with hardwood floors and says, "Remove your shoes." Uh-huh. I'm like, this surely isn't just going to be him <laughs> weeing around with her, and but you it never wasn't. know with this show. The Romulan labyrinth. Um, mm. So yeah, like I thought the stuff with Picard uh, dealing with the trauma about the Borg and coming, you know, seeing them as the the victims instead of like the villains or monsters. I thought that was really good. Uh, some of the character development we got with Rios was good. I the thing I thought was bad or I don't get is Gerardi and yep. Rios. Yep, um, same here. I, I I don't I don't know about that and. There's a couple other things I want to talk about, but overall, pretty good, and it felt like really starting to move the plot forward, too. Yeah, it really does. Um, now that you know they've sort of got the MacGuffin, and they're on their way to, to figure out what the Romulans want with it, and like Rafi's asking all the pertinent questions in this yeah. episode, and I think, yeah, yeah th- things are really starting to to get rolling now that we've got a crew assembled. Yeah, and pretty smart, I think, because it opens up uh, the story possibility, gives you some time to develop the characters, is to give... It seems like this uh, Borg Queen teleporter is custom-built to give Soji and Picard an episode to kind of, like, work shit out and yeah. catch her up and kind of bond while the the rest of the crew has to fight their way out of a Romulan Borg installation. <laughs> Yeah, I did say it's great now that they have the crew together and they're they can roll. But yeah. you're right; they they just we, teleported like forty thousand light years away, potentially. How many episodes do we have left? Four, I think. Four. Okay, all right. Because I was thinking, I was, I was like, man, is next week the penultimate? Because it seems like there's a lot of ground to cover. But then again, I think it's a ten episode season. It, it, then again, it uh, you, the, the, these things can be paced whatever they want. You know, yeah. like it depends on how far they want to get in season one and how much this they want to leave for the future. But uh, this was a pretty good, pretty good Star Trek Picard episode. Yeah, I really enjoyed seeing Picard and Hugh reunited. Because yes. man, if anybody out of all these characters has a pass together mm-hmm. that's the pairing yeah uh because like seeing seven of nine come back picard and seven of nine have almost no relationship right like they know of each other but yeah. picard and hugh yeah man they have a complex history yeah and this also i would pr- have no not much trouble believing that hugh would make huge sacrifices for picard just because mm-hmm. he showed up and asked like there's yeah. a lot of people where it's like there would be a lot of yeah buts but hugh like you know the guy say uh, and that's the thing, like you said, it's 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 a complex relationship because it's mm-hmm. not like Picard was like, oh, let's liberate this Borg from the no. beginning. He's oh, very no. 
had to be persuaded to that. So, yep. uh, yeah. All right, let's get into the recap. We let's. start off in Soji's dream. Uh, it's a stormy night. She's walking down a hall to her father's lab, and then she sort of wakes up, kind of kind of snaps out of the dream and wakes up next to Narek, and he continues to try subtly prying information from her, but she turns it around on him when she asks his true Romulan name. Uh, of course, he deflects. He's not going to tell her. Yeah, and he instead he says that her mother might have some insight into her dreams. Yeah, I thought uh, it's interesting that they've invented this cultural thing. I think it is that like again, leaning into Romulans are just dyed in the wool spies. Like you mm-hmm. go to school in elementary school, and like you know, you fuckers are going to know my true name of power. Right. I'm going to keep that to for my sweetheart and my mom and dad. Like they're they they're trained to keep secrets from a very young age. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it was kind of a cool cultural detail and they're both, um, Soji knows something's up, but she's also young and this guy's like super fucking hot and taking a lot of interest to, to, into her. So Mm. I mostly buy, I mostly buy what's going on. And I thought it was kind of clever, um, how they do the, try to tease out the things she doesn't know through her artificial subconscious. Yeah, yeah, and I like a lot of the imagery in those scenes, um, the, those flowers, which I think are probably the ones she's named after, mm. um, sort of getting in the way of her her uh, ability to see the rest of the stream and yeah. like understand who she is, and like th- there's this wall between her uh-huh. conscious and subconscious, as Narek explains it later in the episode. Yeah, that I think they really did a good job visually communicating. Yeah, when we get to the vision proper, I want to talk about what we think it means and some of the stuff. But yeah, there's a lot of a lot of interesting things to analyze there for sure. Uh, I gotta say, if I'm in Starfleet or I'm on the artifact, th- these quarters got to be arranged differently. You cannot have quarters that open from the grand hall right onto your bed. Like <laughs> th- literally, the doors open, boom, there's your bed. Yeah, yeah, you can put a desk in front of it, but it's uh-huh. not it's not shielding anything. Yeah, I I, I want that door offset. Yeah. I want the door offset and my bed offset the other direction. You need a vestibule or a, a yeah. foyer. 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 Yeah, I don't want to wake up and see somebody staring at me. Mm-hmm. No, you don't. You don't want that. You don't, or no if, if you don't want to feel like making your bed, you don't want to advertise that to the world. No, definitely out. not. Yeah, my I, bed's a mess constantly. But you know, it's the artifact. This isn't. This isn't a luxury liner. No, those Borg don't give a shit. No, how messy your bedroom is. All right, we we were on board La Serena, where Gerardi explains how Bruce Maddock died of his injuries. Uh, of course, we know that's a lie. And all, all, they're not. We're not going to be treated to the barest subterfuge. Did Agnes hack the hollow? The, the, the show doesn't care. The show didn't even no. think of that. So we're just going. She's just going to tell a very compelling story about how he just, just suffered too much damage. Took a living patient uh, who was able to walk in the 24th century medicine bay, and he just too much damage. Yeah, so ha- much damage. Hollow Doc doesn't give a shit to check the logs. Nope. Not uh-uh. going to look at the readouts at all. Nope. Nope. Okay, no problem. Uh, So the conversation turns to Soji's location, and Picard explains his past relationship with the Borg, and he's very obviously still got this chip on his shoulder. Uh, Or I don't even know if that's the right word. He's he's got a lot of baggage from experience. Yeah, traumatic. uh, I mean, shit. They they don't have to do much convince me that being Borgified is a fucking horrific thing to go through and oh yeah like any like getting voluntarily setting foot on a deactivated borg ship has got to be like the scariest fucking thing yeah there's also in this scene a moment where elnor realizes that gerardi is hiding something and lying and i felt like this was weird because 
typically Picard is very emotionally observant. Um, he's able to like when he sees somebody who is going through something or not giving all the information to him, he can sort of suss that out and just at least prod around the edges and and know that something is up. But he doesn't do any of that here. I Seems think very that different. the prob there's two problems. Number one, their Gerardi's playing it like she's not really that upset. Mm-hmm. Um, when she had the out where they could have just she could just explain to her and Bruce Maddox were very very close and then she could be explained distant weird kind of standoffish behavior but I think she's doing a pretty good job of just as portraying like eh what big deal also do you get better at detecting lies and falsehood the more you're exposed to them or do you get worse right. because Elnor I mean, maybe he has lived with these uh, Romulan nuns that practice this way of absolute candor, and he's, like, fine-tuned into any aberration from that absolute honesty. I would think it would be the opposite. But I think so, too. Like, you're usually bad at things you're not used to doing. You have no experience doing. Like, sussing out lies, figuring out when. Because, like, certainly Elnor here is struggling to understand things, like when he's in-butting and out-butting. I mean, he's so unfamiliar with lies that when a lie happens, when when they're going down to the planet, uh, going down to Stardust City, he's like, oh, this is a lie. I've heard about these. Yeah, 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 yeah. This guy is not going to be more emotionally and, and more perceptive than Picard. No. Who's used, he's a diplomat for God's sake. He's yeah. used to seeing lies on every scale. Like, yeah. yeah, this struck me as like a really wrong character note. But it is something like they're going to make him like the bloodhound of like deep seated hidden things, and uh, you know Picard's going to need. But you can't that. have it both ways, right? You can't say on one hand, oh, it's a guy who gets so excited about the possibility of a lie, yeah, that that he loses his shit, and yeah. then also say that he's super perceptive about lying. Yeah. I also like how there's a little bit odd pacing where like Picard is talking about all of the reasons he doesn't want to go to the board cube. And then Agnes starts up this like, if you're, if again, you haven't been paying attention the last three weeks, I want to talk about Picard and him being locutus and being on the Borg. And it's, it's in universe. It serves as an audience explanation reminder, but we've had Mm -hmm. like three of those in a row, three weeks running. Yeah. And in, in, in universe, she's just like, Hey, uh, I want to take about 30 seconds to trigger the fuck out of you. Like it, it feels, I don't know. I wish they had had her have that line at the start of the conversation. Just, you know, uh, maybe as an aside to Elnor. I don't know. But like the way it hit, it's like Picard is already kind of like, oh, 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 scared of Borg. And she's like, uh, yeah, no offense, but uh, blah. He's a Borg. He's like, cute as a Borg. We learned all about it. Yeah. You were emasculated on a galactic stage. <laughs> Everything was taken from you. I think it was a little identity. more than that. I mean, yeah. 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 Uh, masculated and turned into an alien, uh, alien cognition. Mm. It's a very strange thing. That's why Picard never actually had kids. They they trans part of Borgification is transformed into a kin doll. Oh yeah, just yep. shaved right off. You, you get a universal gone. genital port that takes care of elimination, <laughs> and that's it. That's it. Yeah, they All gave him an option. Just... We can rebuild your face perfectly. Yeah, or we can rebuild your genitals, Picard. Which one do you want? And also on the board, I'm the, not going to need those. On the artifact, they, they're not able to do. That's why everyone's face is so fucked up. They went yeah. for the full genital they took reconstruction. The genital option. Yeah. <laughs> they checked that box. Yeah, you're gonna, your left eyes is going to be a, a flesh colored pit, uh-huh. but you will have a functional penis and or vulva. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. Where Picard's retreating to his hollow study, where he calms himself while becoming familiar with the artifact and the politics around it. And he notices that Hugh is now working at the artifact and is disturbed, really disturbed, to see an image of himself as a Borg. Dude, that, 
I uh, I kind of uh, was upset that they wasted this kind of cool camera shot on uh, Soji yeah. and the Romulan woman because that was really fucking eerie and effective. Like seeing yeah. uh, like that overlay onto the actual Picard and him kind of lose his shit about and, and it. I love how really... he's like touching that side of his face. Like the mental yeah. hardware is still there, but the, yeah. the physical is gone. He's got phantom bionic pains or something. Yeah. No, it was really good. It is cool. I really liked it. Uh, kudos to whoever set that up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we go to the Beta Quadrant. Well, we're we're in the Beta Quadrant, rather. Um, I, I don't know why they take this opportunity to tell us that, because I assume we've been in the Beta Quadrant for a long time now, yeah. but maybe not. Um, so Gerardi asks Rios why he likes the harsh environment of space, and seeing what's bothering her, he offers to talk about Maddox. Instead of talking, she kisses him, and she realizes, oops, this is a mistake, and confesses that she's hollow, hopeless, lonely, and afraid, which... I guess Rio goes for. Is that uh, hollow, he's probably hopeless, all those like things. a simulation of being hopeless. She's, hollow hopeless, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and then she goes right back in for another kiss, which leads them into bed together. Yeah. So what the fuck? Is Where this, did this come from? Is this just her trying to ingratiate herself into a member of the crew so that she can do more dastardly things later, or is it she's? I think she doesn't know how to process the stuff with Bruce Maddox. And, yeah. 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 Um, and be. and I I feel that, but like. She knows what's going on here. Rios knows that this is a very weird. Yeah, they're vibe. all talking about this is a bad idea. It's a bad yeah. idea. You're not gonna do it. Eh, but you're hot, so we're gonna do it. Yeah. She's I... really getting her money's worth on this trip though. She <laughs> says you can distract me for a few hours. That's why what... <laughs> this is not this is not one round and done. This yeah. is the ex this is a, this is a championship fight here. Yeah. Going the full ten. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't that's uh she's assuming a lot about Rios. You know, mm-hmm. he's a starship captain with scars on his body and he's good at soccer and, yeah. you know. He's probably he, got the cardio for it. He looks like he should be he should be uh, good in bed, so we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. It'd just be funny if it said, like, uh, three minutes later. <laughs> and they're walking <laughs> right. out of quarters and kind of looking yeah. frust- flustered and, like, there's something between them. That tension. There is that, a tension. That Elnor's going to sniff out. Uh, then we go to Rizzo and Narek. Um, Narek explains that Soji's dreams are a sign of his progress, believing that Soji's two halves, her conscious and unconscious, are trying to work themselves out. And he demonstrates the patience of his technique to Rizzo with this puzzle box, or the, called the impossible box, I guess, uh, that seems, and that seems to convince her again temporarily. Yeah, solving she a Romulus a cube. Just Man, I don't understand why we need this character every fucking week to come in and yeah. taunt Narek and talk shit. It's very Power Rangers. Mm-hmm. Like, these remind me of those, like, the Rita Repulsa scenes in the beginning where, you know, she's got a brand new plan to get the Power Rangers and her sub-lieutenants talk shit about it, and then that it's, it's just wash, rinse, repeat. Like, yeah, you know, I... This show is guilty of that a lot. Like, the this show will give us information and then in later scenes give the characters that same information several times because there are a lot of characters. Yeah. And it's kind of redundant and boring to me as an audience member. But especially since she's just going to, again, I think they fucked up by having her shit. They they needed the one sister to be killed in a botched assassination attempt, Mm -hmm. but that completely cuts the legs out from his sister Rizzo that, you know, she's already tried her way and fucked it up. Like, fucked it up in a way that can't be unfucked. Like, you can't undisintegrate an android and interrogate it. So, right. 
this constant like coming in here and twirling her non-existent mustache and being like, you better get it solved at some arbitrary deadline or we're going to, I'm yeah. going to take over and do it my way. Like, it's just a joke. It's a joke. And she's it bad is. at it. And then they lay on all the Lannister bullshit and all this other edgy, like, like how edgy, you know, how edgy can we get in Star Trek kind of thing? And I, it's, I don't like it. I, I really like the, the analogy of the box. Um, I think that was, that was solid, but yeah, you're right. It was so redundant at this point. Yeah. Um, they, what they needed to do is have her maybe just traveling for the last few episodes to right. get to the artifact. Right. And if we had like the scene where she did the hollow call to him and said, Hey, I'm coming out there. And then we had this scene as the next time we saw her. Yeah. That would work really because well. Because it's been a couple of weeks and he's been fucking around with the Borg ice skating ring. And then and... The, ar- the deadline isn't as arbitrary because now yes. she's shown up and time yeah. has passed. And like that that could have worked really well. Yeah. The pacing's weird. Also, um, I just want to note as a programmer that when he says every piece of synthetic design has a purpose, that's bullshit. Like it ignores the whole idea of emergent uh, um, yeah. qualities and capabilities that happen because of complex uh, in fact, he even says it like uh, these dreams are what is the conflict between her conscious and subconscious realization that she's an android, but she thinks she's real. And it just does because it doesn't know, like, well, were dreams designed that way or is this an emergent process? Like, you know, uh, and it, but he's, he's using that as like, well, it's designed to be this way. So all of her hidden data is going to be here. It's like, I don't know, or it could just be some weird thing that an artificial intelligence it's very complicated as complicated as soji just starts happening you know yeah i mean we have artificial intelligences that are far less complicated yeah, adaptive AI. and we don't totally understand them either but that's i think the other thing is like they're kind of a slave to the technological understanding of artificial life back from the 80s star trek series because you know data you know yeah. had a subroutine he created for dreaming he never just like had like a breakthrough Right. His neural net never just achieves sufficient complexity to like, oh, I can understand su- subtlety and nuance and fucking contractions. Mm-hmm. It was like, well, I wasn't programmed to, to, to handle them. So fuck me, I guess. But I am programmed to write my own subroutines, but I'm right. not writing the subroutine that let me says can't. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Why the fuck not, Data? I don't know. It's it's weird. But, you know, it, it sounds good to the layman and it lets you do the sick, you know, Romulus cube thing with the ballerina mm-hmm. in it. Does, and later, do, do Romulans have ballerinas? Apparently, yeah. Because that's a Romulan toy, and it's loaded with, I think, a Romulan prize. Seems like you can load it with whatever you want. Maybe. So this maybe is, this is like some other culture's artifact. Why would it be like? I would think, if anything, uh, I don't know. Then he uses it to to, to deliver a radioactive neurotoxin later. I don't know. Yeah. I hate Rizzo. I hate Rizzo. <laughs> I hope she gets blown out of an airlock after this season. She might. Uh, so Rios asks Picard how they're going to get on the artifact, and Picard believes that absolute candor is the way to get on board, planning to get the Federation uh, to give Rafi a pass for him to speak with Hugh, is what it boils down to. This Are we talking about the scene where Rafi actually does it? Uh, l- let me recap that real quick. Okay. So Rafi calls up uh, some some captain. I'm not sure. Emmy. Captain Emmy. Emmy? I think that's her name. Yeah, that's what she called it. Called hmm. her. No, she's a good actor. Uh, and asks for her diplomatic credentials for Picard. She's going to get turned down until she says, oh, we're already on our way. And it would look bad for the Federation if this wasn't official. So they get 24 hours. And what I thought was wild is Picard applauding this. What Rafi did was burn a long-term friendship to the ground. Yeah. 
she cashed in every favor and every emotional bond to get Picard this thing, and he applauds mm-hmm. it with the stupid grin on his face, like. I don't know. It's I don't. This part, this Picard's kind of a monster sometimes. It's because she, that was her last hit of Snake Leaf, and so <laughs> now she's off the juice. That's the other thing is like, yeah, just her taking that long drag of the Snake Leaf, and, and and then like her, she's hitching up in her speech, and like yeah, it goes right to the bottle afterward. Like I never did, got the did, impression that she was a full on like addict in the I, moment. They, I don't think the writers did either, but they did, but, they but thought I, that would be a good idea when she met her son. That, well, that that's the thing, right? Her yeah. son, this experience with her son drove her to it. Yeah. Yeah. She tried to do this half-assed reconciliation, and it didn't work, and now she's off the deep end. But yeah, like Picard's uh, applauding her destruction yeah. of her friend circle, uh, her relapse into addiction. Like, what yeah. the hell, Picard? That's his rampaging id. <laughs> Why is the socially stunted Romulan able to see all this stuff, and you're 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 completely blind to it? Yeah, he's got a he's got a hard on for the Borg. Uh, what's with the music in this scene? I, man, all right, Jeff Russo has done some really just see he's done some good work and he's done some bad work and this in my opinion is the worst of his work in uh star trek picard i think the main theme is weak and mm-hmm. just just a nothing of a song i couldn't hum it right now i've same, listened to heard it like six seven times same with disco he also did that one uh both of those are just garbage themes uh this scene has like this weird dance of the sugar plum fairies mm-hmm. tone to it yeah. the like I don't I don't know what to say about the music in this scene. It just did not strike me as I think he's good going for like an Ocean's Eleven heist kind of like, you know, that type of thing. That's not really the tone I was getting from yeah. this scene. Yeah. No, I, I, I kind of agree with you. I the there's hardly any music that stands out. Some of it's good. Like I, I like a lot of the stuff that happens on the Borg ship. Oh yeah. It's uh, more of like just industrial ambient. Because again, yeah, I don't even absolutely. recognize. I don't even realize there's music in the well, show. Well, that's the thing. Like it blends in so much yeah. better. But after this scene, I was looking for it and I was like, okay, the Borg stuff is actually good. This. Oof. No, thank you. Also, I have a lot of questions about the Romulans because I'm simultaneously supposed to understand that their one planet where a large portions of Romulus was evacuated to is a lawless, unpatrolled hellscape that's fought over by warlords and batman type space rangers <laughs> but the neutral zone still has teeth and they preside over this large empire that what you know what like can can they yeah. patrol their space or can't they can they control their borders or can't they do they care about ro- protecting romulans or don't they I haven't thought can, about it. Much. Can they, they have a large, they have an intact secret service and super duper secret service and are funding this extensive research operation to the Borg, but they also can't promote law and order within their own borders. Like what, what the I fuck? Get, I get the impression. I don't know if it's ever been said, but my, my head cannon here is that the Romulans were sort of given the Borg cube as like a well, your planet blew your your system blew up. So like, let's give you you need to win this because you think so because I felt like the, the what they're trying to tell the story is the the Romulans took the Borg out themselves by letting this small stealth ship get assimilated and upload some kind of payload to them. Mm-hmm. So like, that's a spoils of war then, and it's and it seems it's like it's in it's, the it's, neutral it's, zone. So is like, it in or past the neutral zone? I thought it was like in I Romulan mean, space. When they pull up to it, it says Beta Quadrant uh, neutral, neutral former zone. neutral uh, zone. So like former, it's okay, former neutral zone. Right, what the fuck is that? Anymore. Why are we talking about the neutral zone? 
this show is lying to me. It either exists and it's a thing, or it's a former thing, which means it does. Like what? The it's fuck? a former thing, but now I think it's patrolled like loosely by the Finris Rangers, but also. There are factions out there that are dangerous because the Finnish Rangers just aren't said, that strong. He, Captain Rio said, "You know, you should, I hope you have a plan to violate this treaty, which that's what established a neutral zone. But it's like weird. Huh. It'd be like if I was driving to what used to be East Berlin and I'm approaching a former, you know, uh, checkpoint and it's yeah. empty. It's just a tourist attraction now. Like to be sweating about like well, I hope you have a plan to get past this checkpoint. Like yeah. no, I don't. I'm just going to drive through it. It doesn't exist anymore." But it's, I missed it. Maybe some of our listeners can tell us what's up with that. Because yeah, it's weird. It reminded me a lot of know. like the politics of the new Star Trek, Star Wars movies. Like, oh yeah, like the First Order is a imp- imperial insurgency that also in between that movies spawned out of the ruins the... of the Empire that was totally shattered and defeated, but now is stronger than ever. Yeah, and, like... and now the Republic only has uh, their resistance now. They have one ship left. Like, what? What yeah. the fuck happened? How did that happen? <laughs> Like Leia must be the worst galactic ruler in history. She just drove that thing off a cliff. <laughs> she said we did 15... it, everybody. Yeah, just head home. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just it, gonna start it, punching that Jedi kids with Han and just they, check out. They had a, a a gun return program where everybody just returned all their lightsabers, <laughs> yeah. all their guns. Uh huh. They're, they're a blaster buyback the blaster, program. Yeah, exactly. Sure. sure. And they melted them down. They turned them into bankrupted Republic. It's, there was like ten quintillion blaster rifles that had to buy back, and they just. <laughs> <laughs> just it totally. didn't have it didn't have yeah. it dismantle every ship except one to pay for it <laughs> uh, uh anyway uh soji, tell, soji tells narik that she tried to talk to her mother about the dreams but she fell asleep and he says the log shows that her calls to her mother are exactly 70 seconds every day weird huh there's some weird shit going on here because okay first of all how does he really know about these calls with her mother because they're not calls they're simply AI subroutines running in her mind, whatever she has, not a positronic matrix, oh, probably. See, I never but considered like, the idea that they're not actually phone calls, that they're like all I assume they're not because the mother head. AI is in her head, right? So like she wouldn't be calling out anywhere. Hmm. Maybe it is some, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm a, you want me to openly speculate? Yeah, go for it. Because maybe it's like one of those things where she's not going to be in contact with Bruce Maddox, but like if she phones home once a day to talk to mom, that's actually an external interface where they're passing some kind of data and he can monitor that way. Hmm. And now Bruce Maddox is dead. Maybe that's why they're only lasting 70 seconds. Like the mother, mother has nothing to say. So it's like, oh, go to sleep, <laughs> turn it off. I, I thought the mother was essentially a way to shut her down. Like, mm. And I don't mean physically, I mean like mentally to keep that cage around her conscious and subconscious. Yeah, it's weird because like she knows she talks to her mom every day, but like when he asks her, he asks her like, what do you talk about? She kind of like has one of those where, oh God, maybe I, you know, what what do I talk to her about? Like yeah. that, that the, they implant in her idea, the idea they have these conversations, but they don't actually have them. There's like these holes in her. Yeah, which makes me wonder how the hell Narek would know anything about them, mm. which says he has a lot more information about oh, her I, than yeah, we know. Yeah, I mean, that her room's wired for sound. And, yeah. And video. You know, I never considered that fact. She yeah. could just be. Her, she's being on a Romulan ship, time, time. I think. That's just, it's like, you know, going to stay in Russia in the 80s. Like, just assume uh-huh. everything's bugged, everything's a camera. Okay. That's that the way it, way it works. Since. Uh, and then Rios tucks Rafi into bed, and she tells him about her son and then passes out. Uh, I like this line at the end, no one gets all of it right, Raf, which is so true. 
It is true. Everybody's got their regrets and mistakes. But, you know, some people all some people aren't fighting a raving snake snake leaf addiction on it's top true. of a conspiracy theory involving the highest levels of Romulan secret police that and I think she's ultimately drove a wedge to her family and flew them all apart. <laughs> and I think she's just guzzling Johnny Walker Black yeah. in this scene. I it just looked like a straight Johnny Black bottle to me. But maybe I just wasn't paying attention. Snaky Walker bite is what she's saying. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> she's smoking the leaf. She's drinking the juice. It's just getting it from, from both both sides. So Soji then uh, calls her mother to talk about this dream that she had. But she falls asleep even though it's the middle of the day. And we know. It seems like she has some kind of ability to fight the impulse. Like she's trying to mm-hmm. like, no, damn it, I don't want to go to sleep, mom. And she 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 ignores like two or three suggestions to do it. But ultimately, yeah, the the mom just keeps up in the up in the brandy she puts in the bottle until mm-hmm. the baby goes to sleep. And then we go over to Picard having flashbacks when he sees the artifact, and he's the only one who can legally board it. So he tells everyone, including specifically Elnor, to stay behind on Rio's ship. Then Soji awakes and searches her belongings for every single picture of her family. She scans them and finds out that everything from her childhood is only about 37 months old. So is her necklace, and she freaks the fuck out. I think that does something useful to tell us exactly how long this timeline is. Like She's yeah, been roughly on three years. The, the Romulan ship for just over three years, and I think that's a fact. Mm-hmm. Like She's physically been occupying the space for that long. I think you're right. Yeah. Um, and they're, do you think that's as long as she's been alive at this point? That's a good question. And I think we, I want to save it for when we talk about the dream because I've got some things. Because the, the dream, yeah, let's just wait till we get to talk about that. Okay. Uh, I did want to point out an Easter egg in this scene mm. that I wasn't aware of, but I took note of it because I always take note of these things. There's a lunchbox she pulls out that says Adventures of Flotter on the front. And this is apparently a Voyager. Uh, reference. Oh, really? There was an episode called Once Upon a Time, season five, episode five, where the Adventures of Flotter is sort of a series of child children's hollow stories. Mm. That one of the uh, one of the crew or pa- one of the passengers, let's say, on Voyager, Naomi Wildman, uh, kind of runs through. And everyone seems familiar with him. Like Harry Kim's a fan. Uh, even Janeway's a fan. See, that's cool. I like it when they actually yeah. invent some kind of pop culture that's happened in the last it's, 400 it's years like instead of going back mis- to Sir Arthur Conan Doyle all the fucking right, time. Right, right, right. It's Bach, it's Bach and Doyle. Shakespeare and, and yeah. Yeah, it's a bunch of great expectations and what happened after the 20th century? Who the fuck knows? It's like the Misco and Marisco stuff they do in The Expanse. Mm, yeah, I, I really yeah, appreciate yeah. that. Like, they don't ever go into it, but like... Yeah, it makes the you know, world the, feel the, big, big, bigger and more real. It does, yeah. Uh, and then Picard enters the artifact while enduring horrific flashbacks, and Hugh shows up and offers his help in any way Picard needs it. So he walks him through the artifact, trying to put him at ease about being on a board cube again, and Picard tells Hugh why he's here, and Hugh knows exactly who he's talking about, so he takes him to Soji. I thought that was this really effectively done scene where Picard, I don't know why Hugh... <laughs> did this to him i don't know why he can't just be at the coordinates that uh, he's going to beam in and be like hey welcome to the ship right um but him like stumbling around getting triggered by seeing all this borg technology and then these borgs swarming him but then realizing that they just don't want him to fall because mm-hmm. you know there he looks like he's about to take a header off of this infinite drop it's, uh, it's one of those like 
matrix would you have broken the vase if i didn't say anything kind of moments right if the board didn't come lunging at you would you have been so disoriented you were gonna fall yeah 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 that sort of thing they like all tackle him hold him to the ground and (laughs) right you know stick their implants in his face they're just trying to protect you (laughs) they're just trying to protect you they don't know how to talk they all their vocal cords are gone because they opted for the full penile construction reconstruction Uh it's it's a fatal flaw with these xbs they're just they're just you know really fucking tied up with their external genitalia I like this line from Hugh. This this says so much about their very complicated history. Um, where at the end he says, a new name can be the first step toward a new identity. I learned that on the Enterprise. Yeah. Yeah, he took a journey on the Enterprise, too. Yeah. Have you seen this one, this uh, Iborg episode? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so, I saw it recently. All right. That's what I was wondering. Because, like, the, he, the, his name, I thought this was funny because the way I recall it, his name, Hugh, is because he misunderstood you. Yep. So... Yep. It's kind of ironic there too, because his the name that he took so much personal meaning and identity from was like an accidental bestowment. Right. Yeah. It was. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know how much we want to talk about Hugh and Picard's relationship because there there is quite a bit of it. Like yeah. if you want to watch that Iborg episode, it's it's basically self contained in that episode. Yeah. Um, so there's not, you know, a whole series but, but of the premise is that Picard wanted to see the Borg as irredeemably evil. Yeah. Like, you know, didn't want to think about... Um, and it's something he still struggles with in, up up to the movie's timeline, too. Seems like this timeline as well. Uh, and he, like, forcefully... Like, normally Picard doesn't try to put his thumb on the scales to try and investigations he's doing. But, mm-hmm. like, I thought it did a good job that he tried to set Hugh up to fail. Like, yeah. you know... Uh, wanted to prove that this person is not an individual that it's still enslaved to the Borg that would still, you know, destroy them off given a chance. And like, he just <laughs> act confused and, and, and hurt by the, the line of questioning rather than, than Borgy. Yeah. So. I mean, and, and Hugh was sort of a patient zero for a virus that was going to destroy the Borg. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's why Picard wanted to believe that they're irredeemable because there's no moral quandary there. Right. If these things right. are irreversibly Borg and there's there's no individual left there, then, you know, is it even really a war crime to unleash a bioweapon upon mm-hmm. that? Uh, yeah, he's essentially the same. So Voyager did a lot of things that TNG did. Yeah. Um, and he's essentially the same as that Echeb character. Right. Uh, as far as like that that asset or that aspect of his personality mm-hmm. um, or his beinghood, I guess. Mm-hmm. But the the thing about it was like he came from you know the collective, and over the course of that episode he sort of de-integrates mm-hmm. from that collective. That idea of like, you know, I am Borg, yeah, um, we are Borg, that sort of thing. That there is no I, there is just a we. Uh, into like identifying as like this name Hugh as an individual, and then Picard sends him back into the Borg collective. Not with the patient zero virus that would kill them all, but with his newfound identity, and I think that has a, an effect uh, on the Borg. I think there are there are future episodes where like that has changed yeah, the nature like of this, the Borg. That, that that faction of the Borg that kind of got infected with that individuality is what yeah like Lauren like trying to lead as a faction. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> So I guess there are two episodes you can watch if you really yeah. want the full story. But yeah, it was it was a journey of you know self rediscovery, which right. was, I think, why this line worked so well for me about this new name. 
Uh, and then we go to Soji showing Narek what she's discovered. Uh, Narek suggests that someone could have altered her memories to use her for their purpose on the artifact. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> what if you're being used, Soji, for some yeah. larger purpose? Oh, my God, that'd be have terrible. Have you slept with anyone weird lately? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, other than me. Uh, yeah. He offers her a way to help understand her memories, which is a traditional Romulan practice. They slide on the floor in their socks. <laughs> right? I swear, the way he ident the way he introduced <laughs> this is identical to the ancient Borg ritual shit. They have to know that in the writer room. I don't writer's know. room, don't they? I think they don't know a lot <laughs> in the writer's room. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Uh, but yeah, I, that was all I was thinking in this scene was, oh my god, we're getting another one of those. You know what would have been? I, I, this they should have because if they were aware of it, the way to, to go would be for Soji to say something like, "This isn't going to be us sliding around in socks right. again." You know, just make just be yeah. a little self aware. But instead, because they've also established her as an expert in Romulan culture, she immediately knows, "Oh, this is the Zalmacan stuff." I've right, you know, I've always read about. Isn't it taboo? Yeah, I don't understand Which what's why so taboo try. about this. Yeah, this I technique. Also, I wonder if he's used that line with her in any other endeavor. Isn't that taboo? Which is why we should try it. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Oh gee, Narek, you dirty dog. Dirty, dirty dog. Uh, then Picard has shown the deassimilation efforts, and he's impressed with what they've done. Uh, Hugh paints a pretty dystopian picture of the XP's life under the Romulans, hoping Picard can advocate for the freedom of the XP's. Uh, that's kind of the whole yeah, scene effectively like they're either prisoners or kept on this as a reservation yeah for export but they're not allowed to pursue any kind of individuality and um yet it's you know there's a couple of pretty touching scenes uh, for as far as they go like the borg being pleased with their reconstructive surgery and like slowly regaining some of their i guess humanity wouldn't be the right word whatever their sentience uh because they're not humans, the majority yeah. of them. Did they go into why the Romulans are deassimilating the Borg in this series? I why they're not just killing them? No, I think it's because that this is some kind of like there might be Federation oversight or at least support, and like that's why Hugh is there. Like Hugh's there; he's the humanitarian reason. Okay, they're not that, allowed to kill him. Or, but but like what the Romulans are really after is probably technological advantages and yeah. things like that. But he's the you know this is like very Cold War one hundred and one. Like what is your what's your peaceful intent? So then you can cover your warmongering actual intent. Right. Uh, and that's what I. But they haven't really spelled it out, and they haven't spelled it out like why he has. Because it seems like he has an immense amount of power over what's going on there, but also that he's on thin ice. Mm -hmm. Like, because a couple of times, like, relatively low-ranking members, like, challenge him on things, and he gets, like, chesty with them, and they back down. But, like, yeah. if he was really this long-term, like, well-respected, I don't think he would have to, like, do that as much. So he's... I feel very scared for Hugh. Like, uh -huh. at the end of this episode, I'm thinking, like, Hugh might not live to see another day, if, especially if the, the Zot Vot Zip Zot have anything to say about it the zatvash yeah. what is there zatvash yeah, okay. <laughs> all right then rios wakes up uh rafi to collect on his bet that soji is still alive and rafi can't understand why they would keep her alive especially because she's a synth and she asks a pertinent question here what does the tal shiar need from a synth like we kind of know do you think rafi has figured it out though if she does, if she did and she didn't tell Picard, then she's really bad intel intelligence officer because it's... Well, I don't think she... I think she might have just figured out in this scene hmm. and she but, doesn't have really an opportunity to tell Picard. Really? Because I thought they, they, they talk. Like I, I didn't, But they may, maybe they're doing that tropey thing of like, there's no time. Because he... 
Picard no times Hugh like two or three times in this episode. Yeah. Like, you know, why do you want this? Like, there's no time to explain. It's like, come on. There's like, you're walking probably a couple kilometers on this Borg installation. Mm -hmm. What are you talking about? Like, you can't suggest, you can't explain. Well, he's flashing back to the horrors of being locutus. That's true. So they legitimately had no time to talk. (laughs) Yeah, he's just weeping and shaking as he's going through the hallways. Every every second that he's not actively distracted, he's (laughs) flashing back to horrors. As soon as the camera, right before the camera turns on, he just wipes his face with a hanky (laughs) and then he's ready to go. Yeah. Uh, so then Narek tells takes Soji to a room with a bunch of lanterns where they take off their boots and slide across the floor in their socks. Actually, no. Narek tells her his true name, which I think is just crayon in French, <laughs> which Picard's going to find that really ridiculous. Uh, yeah, that's not his true name. Crayola, what? Crayol. <laughs> really? Okay. Um, yeah, they begin their journey that's into a her dreams. cooking style. Crayol, come on. I've had, I've <laughs> right. had crawdad. I've had a crawdad boil. Can't fool uh, me. Narek coaches her through the dream, opening up details she's never noticed before, and then she snaps out of the dream when her father calls her name, and Narek says it's her subconscious trying to keep her out. So she tries again. It's interesting. They do this. Uh, this is a combination like labyrinth, you know, like that's mm-hmm. uh, where you walk on a floor and you meditate and like guided meditation and like a hypnosis like, sort of thing yeah, hypnosis and, and like repressed memories like they're, they're throwing a whole bunch of different techniques which yeah. i think are mutually incompatible like uh, maybe i liked it i thought it was yeah. pretty effective i thought it, the only thing is weird is like her just like how fast she was moving down he's like all right you're about to make the turn into the, like i don't know i didn't it i think they could have slowed down and spent more time making it a ritual because to me, it is a lot. It is pretty easy to see through the artificiality of it. But mm-hmm. I don't know. That's just me. Okay. Uh, we'll get to the real meat of that here in a second. But Picard, in the meantime, arrives at Soji's quarters and sees the mess she's made, and he realizes she's close to discovering her identity. But they can't find her on the cube, the artifact. Excuse me. Mm. Um, so Soji continues with the dream with a blurry-faced father. She sees herself as a wooden dummy on a table. And she sees also two red moons and lightning in the sky above, which Narek says is her home um, and that she's not real. Finally, he says goodbye and tries to kill her with a puzzle box, but she activates and bashes her way through the floor to escape. Convenient that he doesn't use one of the rapid disintegration kills that we know the Romulan uh, uh, Secret Service people are are capable of. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that could have been like a spray bottle, that green shit, and she'd have been done. Oh, yeah. Um, It's very James Bond, you know. Uh, But uh, so one of the big questions I have is how many worlds do you think are going to fit this model? (laughs) Because if it's one, then it's pretty much we got a beeline till the end of the season. But I wonder if there's going to be like three or four possible locations and it's going to be a race. Like like uh, now that Picard's got her and he's got an episode to bond with her, he's gonna it's it's gonna be like the the Nazis. They got the head of the staff burnt on the one dude's hand, but they don't know that mm. they have to take six inches back to give to God or some shit. So they're yeah. Picard's gonna know like a, a much narrower search window, and Lieutenant Rizzo is gonna put you know, take her ears off and be going around trying to find the one by one the planets. You think that's gonna happen, or what's it feel uh, like to you? Yeah, it could be. I mean. I think that's a pretty non, given the number of star systems out there, it's a pretty non-specific thing. Two red moons and lightning. Yeah. Like electrical storms, right? That's, that I have to imagine happens in a lot of yeah. places. And it doesn't even have to be a class M planet because they were, it's a completely enclosed facility. It could be. Right. Yeah. What do you think the Soji actually saw? 
what do you dream? Mean? Like, what do you think that's a, a real experience she had, or is this? Oh no, I think this is. I don't. I don't think it's real. Like, I don't think she ever was a wooden dummy on a table. Like, that's that's not a real thing. See, I thought it maybe it could have been real that she was. This is like before three years and a month ago where her sister is being assembled in a laboratory and she accidentally saw something she wasn't supposed to see. She wasn't a girl or anything like that. Like a lot of these yeah. obviously details and she didn't look like a wooden, but that's just kind of how she processed okay. it. Yeah, yeah. It's all through this layer of Android dream, which is also weird. Cause mm-hmm. that's why I was trying to think is like, well, is this a repressed memory or is this just like he said, her subconscious dealing with the cognitive dissonance? Yeah. And if it's the latter, I'm not sure anything is actionable. Like just because you can look up and see through a skylight like that, that seems to imply that this is a real location and a real memory. Yeah. She, she wasn't ever a little girl, was she? No, I don't think so. Yeah. At least not by my understanding of it. So, but I don't know. Like, is she, because they talk about it being synthetic life. Does that mean is she synthetic like data? Like you could take her arm off because when she got that green shit, uh, her sister got that green shit thrown on her. It looked like she was dissolving organically. And it is, yeah. it, I and guess they, it's, is they it make like, a point that she's, she's flesh and bone, right? She's not, I think she. I don't think she has like a positronic matrix. I think she's right. some other construction. Is probably not even the right word. Well, it's like Maybe in, like in Westworld, you know, you've got the yeah. old school robots that were like erector sets with synthetic flesh over them, and then yep. the new school robots are like molecular assembled humans. They're grown essentially, but yeah. they have like CPU. They have like their brains replaced by CPUs and whatnot. That right uh, and whatnot instead of like brains and, and so I wonder if she's you're supposed to understand she's kind of like one of those late model Cylons that are like indistinguishable from a human body it's what I'm assuming but I don't know that for a fact yet yeah me either and I always I always question when you have a robot that's uh like indistinguishable from human like from an advanced 24th century medical scan like so where does the superpowers come from because like she's beyond peak human ability so like if her right. tendons are made out of like a tri- trilithium uh, titanium mesh, then yeah. guess what? She's not going to pass as human on a sensor. Yeah. But for uh, bones are eight times denser than human exactly. beings. Yeah. Like data makes sense. Like, you know, you can take data apart. Like, no, no doctor's going to do a scan of data and be like, what the fuck? This, I right. thought this is a human body. It's no. so, I don't know. They, they seem like they had their cake and eat it too. Uh, I also wonder why Narek decides in this moment that he needs to kill her because, like, telling her that that's her home yeah you could use that to extract so much more information right. about the location it like from it her very premature extremely like, and then and you could pivot it to like instead of her like she's like rap like i want to know the answer he could have been like you know this is the first step we got a lot right. of work like but you don't want to push too far and continue the entire yeah i don't know maybe yeah, I his thought that's what he was doing sister's but... impatience finally got to him yeah the, the impatience of the sister got to the patient one I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I, I have questions about how highly irradiated is she now? And yep. will that be an issue in the future? Yeah. This radiation is designed to murder someone in a matter of seconds. Sure. Yeah. It's got to be intense. Yeah. It, they drop down right in front of Picard. Yeah. And I get that she got out of it, but she got a good whiff of that stuff. And oh, yeah. There's, but, you know, don't worry. I don't think it's ever it. going to be mentioned again. But I think in between, uh, in between episodes that uh, Dr. Agnes is going to hack her nanobot radiation mm-hmm. mist and it's going to deactivate it don't worry about it okay don't cool. worry about it won't be shown won't be alluded to okay that's what happens head cannon 
Uh, and then finally, Picard realizes Soji has been activated when she comes back on the grid and then drops through the ceiling right in front of him. Uh, and he shows her the necklace and offers help. The Romulans show up, and Hugh guides Picard and Soji to a spatial trajector in the Queen's cell. And Picard tells Rafi to meet him at N- Nepenthe. Yeah, I think so. That, I don't know. It was hard to tell what they were saying. I just wrote it down. Nepenthe. Uh, and then Elnor shows up on the cube to save him. El- Elnor covers their exit as Picard and Soji leave. It's badass, except for he looked like, okay, I didn't have a problem with them finding Soji dropping in front of her because they were actively tracking her. Yeah. How the fuck did Elnor know where to go? I mean, he's, he's probably just, got his communicator on. He's just that good at uh, like ninjing that he can drop from any ceiling. How did he operate the transporter himself? Right. Without uh, anyone noticing. Are, are you even able to transport onto the artifact? Do they it not have any they, shield There's systems? a limited amount of transporter space where you could actually transport. Now, is that just like a, a request? Like, please be right. here? Or do they have some kind of... Because we know there's all kinds of transporter inhibitors yeah. uh, to deliberately block transporter effects, but there's also con- all kinds of passive shit, like, you mm-hmm. know, strong sources of energy or signal interference you're or in the wrong nebula, or, yeah. You know, it's certain, like, it's, it's hard to beam through X amount of rock or metal or, uh-huh. like, so I don't know. And none, none uh-huh. of the writers in this show know either. It's, they didn't explain it because they wanted it to be a surprise when he shows they up. They want to be super fucking cool for, yeah. yeah. And it Which was. It was pretty cool. Like, I like seeing Elnor go. In fact, I was annoyed at how they ended the, the, the episode. I feel like we got, although it's a good chance that we're going to end, start the next show, the next episode with, like, a three and a half minute extended fight scene. Mm-hmm. So. I watched two episodes of Voyager yesterday. Oh, my God. Are you okay? Man. How much radiation do you have in you right now? They, they weren't awful. They weren't great. Uh-huh. They were somewhere in the middle. Yeah, um, so Voyager. this spatial trajector, the Sicarians that they mentioned, mm-hmm. are from an episode of Voyager. They meet them, and they've got this technology that could get them halfway home. Sure. Um, and the Sicarians, they don't want to give it up. Like, one of their... They have, this prime pr- they have this directive. It's one of their most important it, that's ones. That's absolutely and, what it is. 100%. Oh, I bet Janeway respected that, didn't she? Yes. She did? She absolutely did. The that's one who hilarious. didn't was Tuvok, that motherfucker. <sighs> Motherfucking Tuvok, yeah. Uh, so they try and steal the technology because yeah. they don't want to give it to him. Uh, ultimately, they realize they actually couldn't have ever used it because it's not compatible with Federation tech. Uh. So... It was pointless, uh, but that is an episode called Prime Factors. It's season one, episode nine, or ten, depending on where you look. You love seeing the Prime Directive getting shoved into Federation's face. You do. Oh, we'd love it, to help you. I actually like that know, aspect. This, yeah, this isn't, uh, it's not your natural course of development. Who knows what effects right. it'll have, yeah. Uh, uh, this is obviously not the last we'll see of Elnor, right? Like, he's left, he's abandoned on this cube so. to fight, essentially, yeah, which an unlimited I, stream of Romulans. That's the other thing is... So the re- so the reason he's staying there is so Hugh can shut down the queen cell that only he knew about and mm-hmm. deactivate it. And this is like the room of requirement in Harry Potter to get the shit all shut down and get all the paintings hung over the doorways so that no one knows where it's at. And Elnor is covering for that. Mm-hmm. But what Elnor's not doing is covering for like himself and Hugh. Like they're going to they've already killed a shit ton of Romulan security guards. Uh-huh. Uh I don't see how Hugh gets out of the situation. I do see how Elnor probably can. Like they're gonna have have some bullshit reason for him to be able to get off the ship. Unless oh, yeah. you think he's just done. No, I think he. I think he's gonna fight his way through. He's gonna probably make it back to the 
a Rio ship. No, and I, I think they have an arc for him playing. Like he's going to learn how to. He's going to go through a period of real disillusionment, but then he's going to learn how to lie pro, uh, properly. And he just and, won't be able to stop lying. Then he won't. Yeah, for, for episodes, it'll just be lie after lie. Yeah, he'll go full like he'll go full native Romulan and uh-huh. start like you know. <laughs> he'll make a fa- he'll make his true name. He'll make his true name. Yeah. Yep, yep, his F and Fable name, and uh, we'll he'll go from there. But uh, yeah, I I feel like Hugh. He's got an expiration date now. I don't see how he talks his way off of this Well, he ship. needs to go with him. He needs to use that spatial projector and just get the fuck out. I, I don't know why not. Like, having an, another ex-Borg as part of the crew would be super cool. And mm-hmm. he's got no place else to go. Like, Although, yeah, man, it sucks that he's doing... Like, he's really going all in on the, hey, wouldn't it be nice to have Picard be an advocate for the Borg thing? Uh mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if you looked at the news and like Picard hasn't advocated for shit in the last fourteen years. It's not not his thing, but like he, because because it seems like the Borg rely on him to get any of their like rights respected or to be treated as people on this installation. Yeah. So like him going all in to help Picard is probably going to doom or immiserate a lot mm. of these XBs. Yeah, could be right. Yeah, but that's it. Uh. Can I also throw a PS in here? Voyager looks like garbage on CBS All Access through Prime. Is it just like I don't think they've us up it, yeah. Oh man. That's too bad. Yeah. I I went from next generation where they've redone everything in that. Yeah, they went through the original like thirty five millimeter yeah. and which, Voyager, they have not done that. Which way. is interesting because, like, there's, have you seen what I'm talking about? Like, some of those props, like, uh-huh. are just carved blocks of wood. Yeah. With gold spray paint on it. It's like they, they were never meant to be seen in 1080p for sure. Yeah. For sure, but that's 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 a shame. That's a shame. Do they have do they have all the Star Trek: The Next Generation on CBS? They do, and it's the thirty five millimeter like Netflix yeah. copies. Mm-hmm. Interesting, <laughs> man. I Star Trek: The Next Generation, not not a great show in season one. I know we all talk about it, but it's uh-huh. a real stark difference because I started in season three, uh-huh. and I watched through the end of season seven, and then wow, I went back and I started damn. Encounter at Farpoint. <laughs> wow, yeah, and the the dissonance between very end of the series budget and beginning pilot budget is night and day yeah and it's, it's crazy it's not just like in the storytelling it's also like in the costuming the hair and makeup yeah. everything is i don't know they spent a lot of money they spent a lot of money in industrial light and magic to separate that saucer <laughs> they sure did yeah they they must have they must have Shall we consider some subspace transmissions? Yeah, let's do Jim. it. Jim. All right, you can send those into Picard at baldmove.com. First up, Wayne. Uh, we, we're really going to get to the bottom of this Counselor Troy and her command abilities. Oh, for the third uh, week in a row? Rolled up our sleeves. Uh, Wayne has, has, has done the I work. I guarantee I'm going to have more questions than need answering at the end. Especially since you've like you plowed through another three seasons of Star Trek. I uh, did. The, I just saw last... her. And I went back to the beginning and See, I saw her in the miniskirt. See, now the lady wants us to watch Voyager. she got a leg to stand on because you've watched all of The Next Generation in one week. It's true. So like, But now I have Westworld to watch. I've <laughs> yeah. got Altered Carbon and Devs is coming out. And i got yeah. 15 shows to watch uh wayne sent in to picard at baldmove.com just want to clear up some of the rank uniform questions regarding counselor troy that you've been discussing the past two weeks and the tng season five episode uh, titled disaster the enterprise bridge is cut off from the rest of the ship with only troy rolaren and chief o'brien available to make decisions to save the ship uh what was our rolaren uh podcast name talking lyron what was it uh Oh, shit it was a good one anyway uh 
I, I see that's the thing. Like, there's no name too stupid for Star Trek show because the you will get the reference in there eventually, organically. Mm-hmm. Like we're what was this episode six, and we already got someone unbidden talking about Rolaren. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, so you got Troy Rolaren and Chief O'Brien available to make decisions to save the ship. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, O'Brien states that Troy has the authority to take command of the ship because she technically holds the rank of lieutenant commander. <laughs> this is the one where Picard's crawling through the turbolift shafts with the kids. It's right? gotta be. It's gotta be right. Um, I, I also like. I wish I knew, just seen that scene because I want to see how heavily O'Brien weighted the word technically. Like, did he be like, you know, technically you're a lieutenant commander, and she just ran <laughs> oh, with boy. it? She's like, I'm a lieutenant commander. Um, or is he just like, you know? Anyway, following this in season who's, six, whose uniform did she get? She wears that blue one, right? She she wasn't in uniform in the no. disaster episode, right? Certainly no, not. No, 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 no. Okay. Uh, she's in the unitard. Following this in season six, when the lovable Captain Jellico briefly takes command of the Enterprise, <laughs> he requested that Troy start wearing a standard uniform as he preferred a more formal environment on his bridge. Lovable. That's that's as ironically mm-hmm. uh, said as it gets. Yeah. For the most part, she remained wearing the standard uniform for the rest of the series. Later in season seven, the episode Thine Own Self... Troy decides that she wants to become a full-fledged bridge officer after her experience in disaster. Dr. Crusher also has the rank of commander and enjoyed sitting in the captain's chair for the occasional night shift. This helped convince Troy to decide to take her command test, as he pointed out in the, the podcast. The Kobayashi murder you test. Yep. And guess who got murdered in this one, Jordy? Yep. Yeah. She has to order him to like essentially do the Spock from yeah. Rathacon. You got to walk into the reactor room and mm-hmm. flip the dilithium crystals with your bare hands, Jordy. He's going to kill yeah. you. <laughs> Gotta exactly. be the chief engineer, too. Can't be some fucking... No. <laughs> in- yeah, you want the most important person on the ship to do this needed repair. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I don't know. I'd probably failed the test because I'd have sent one of the red shirt ensigns in and kept kept the command guy, but... Yeah. Uh, he also has one other clarification regarding Seven of Nine. I stopped watching Voyager before she came- became part of the cast, but I've heard someone else mention that an episode of Voyager showed that her Borg implants allowed her to retain her personal shielding seen with most of the Borg, which may explain her Terminator-like approach to the combat situation. In that case, really, break out another twenty grand and have 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 her absorb of a phaser rifle because yeah. I want to see it. I want to see if fourteen years later she still got her shield implants and her optional. Where does wait, the energy to to run those come from? Just she eats the... fifty thousand calories a day. Uh, she would have to. Like yeah. she takes a bl- she takes four dozen eggs into a blender and just like takes a funnel and just pours it in. Uh, she drinks kerosene. <laughs> I mean, it's the only she thing... just needs calories. Why is she drinking raw eggs? <laughs> I, don't I don't know. What's the most calorie dense food? Uh, Cheetos. I mean, fats are are the most calorie dense. There you go. She 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 drinks five gallons of yeah. peanut oil and every olive day. Olive oil just guzzles it. <laughs> Um, that's the only way. It's the only way she can maintain that kind of energy. Uh, Paul, you guys are doing a truly great job of balancing the comically bad parts of Picard with your nostalgic optimism. Why, thank you. Mm-hmm. We all know that this show didn't have the history and sentimentality of the Star Trek brand. We would have thrown it into the trash bin of corny TV immediately after the Romulan forensic scene. So, so bad. But like true podcast soldiers, you carry on. That being said, I can't help but wonder what big secret they're planning to lay us uh lay on us at season's end last week you tried to break down the time travel romulan borg theories but i have one that's much much simpler and lies at the heart of the show hmm. the show's name picard isn't referencing jean-luc but rather his daughter soji so much of jail's lore revolves around hey look look we're not going to start doing this shit in the feedback is jean-luc his jail <laughs> stuff's out of here 
So much, so much of Jean-Luc's lore revolves around him losing his family and his family name dying with him. So if Soji is his daughter, we can not only carry on the name Picard, but because the show can, the show can also continue on without Patrick Stewart. That's something you got to think about. Absolutely, the yeah. man's old. He's 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 in his late seventies. He's mm. advanced years. Looks looks pretty healthy, but looks you pretty know, good. He's old. He actually, what's weird is this show makes him look older than he actually is. Like I I watched a comic uh, con. Um, I watched him uh, in a in a Comic Con panel like uh, a, a couple days ago, and he's very animated and spry, and his voice mm. sounds stronger. Like I wonder if they're they're actually pe- having him play up this Uramanji syndrome or something. Hmm. Because the a couple J- times Jumanji syndrome. <laughs> what is it? Jumanji syndrome. Jumanji yeah. syndrome. Yeah, uh, that's where Robin Williams and a bunch of chimpanzees runs through the ship. Yeah. Um, but because he, he's his voice sounds kind of weak and reedy in a couple of these places, uh-huh. like uh, and when it he was, cracks at one point in this episode, yeah. which is not something you're accustomed to hearing. Yeah, from when he's when he's telling like uh, Hugh, there's no time. Yeah. Um. So I don't know because like when I see him talk outside of the show, he seems very animated and strong. Man, that'd be unfortunate if that's a character affectation. Because um, I don't. I I think that's getting in the way of the performance. Yeah. A lot, but could be, could be. Uh, so, what do you think about Soji being his adoptive daughter, so she can be Soji Picard, and then Soji I mean, Picard? I, I thought they already explained the origins of Soji and Dodge, right? Well, I mean, it's not literally going to be his his daughters, obviously, but oh. like adopted, you could adopt people, and they get your last name, and okay, I mean. Yeah, but that doesn't have to be true of Soji. It could be true of literally anyone. Hugh could be adopted, right? And like, well, but I mean, yes, but in the framework of this although, show and the characters you have available, he could, he could adopt Elnor and Soji. Boom, yeah, brother and sister. Right, heals the Romulans, heals the heals heals the rift simultaneously between the Romulans and the Federation and the Synths in the Federation. Mm-hmm. There you go. That's the theory. You need the you need the bouncing baby Romulan boy in there too, with the android girl. But I yeah, I think that. You know, that's something that we were kind of seriously con- worried about at the start of the season, uh, that this would be, you know, th- there's a rumor going around that they were going to the, the ship, the new ship would be called the USS Picard. Oh, right, yeah. So then Patrick Stewart could only be in the very beginning of it, maybe even the mm-hmm. first season, and just hand off, and it was going to be, and they didn't do that, and which is good. Still possible. Still possible. If we, if we can kill Rios... <laughs> and Picard can take over as captain, yeah. true captain of the ship. He can yeah. rename it. Yeah. Or if Picard dies and Hit they with rename a of the La Serena to Picard in exactly. recognition. Oh, yeah, yeah. There is this possibility in, or, or have him adopt. It doesn't even have to be in like a real Starfleet Records paperwork kind of way. He can just be like, I always considered you my daughter and uh, I die. Maybe, and... maybe they try and teleport the, yeah. the entire ship through like a spatial trajectory. And there ends up as another copy of the ship with a goatee. <laughs> and that can be the Picard. Uh, or that could be the Rios. That'd be called the USS would... Tom Riker, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I I will say this. My interest in watching the show would plummet precipitously if they wrote Picard out of the show. Yeah. Uh, I now, agree. if Patrick Stewart dies through natural causes and I would watch another season just to see if they can turn that really sharp corner. Yeah. Um, but if they just write him out because they wanted to bait me into watching new Trek in you amulet Trek, uh, 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 it's not going to work. It's not going to work. It'd be the, the 
same speed at which I canceled season two of yes. Discovery. Uh, my all access for that. What if they they write out Picard, but they bring in Johnny Franks? Franks. They go full Riker. They go full Riker, baby. I might, I might accept a full Riker here. I could as see, a pivot. yeah, I could see Riker come out of retirement to carry on this quest for against the Zot Vaj. That'd be kind of cool. Could we call whatever form this takes with Patrick Stewart exiting and the show continuing the Picard maneuver? <laughs> yeah. Could we call that the Picard maneuver from now on? Yeah, it's either that or like Pexit or something, you know. <laughs> yes, uh, <laughs> Pexit, Picard Exit. Uh, all right, let's move on to. Shields. Shields up. Please add my voice to the chorus that has taken aback that neither of you watched Voyager to its completion prior to Picard. Only 100 hours. Only 100 plus hours. Right. And also, we planned on not doing Picard uh-huh. because we just assumed it was going to be a joke exercise series. and then, After Discovery, yeah. Yeah, then we got talked into it by, like... A lot of people saying it's good. Yeah. And it's, you know, like I said, it's. I think it's so far better than Disco. Uh-huh. But uh, uh, it's actually pretty good, and I dare say top two or three Star Trek series. Okay, Shields, oh, Shields, buddy, Shields. The, the, the top Shields. of Star Trek stops at three. Yeah, like you've you can't got, make a list any longer than that. Like, like you, you, if you said three, I might, because like you know, some people's taste you can't appreciate the old '70s shit. I sure. love the the old series because that was my that Star too. Trek. That's what I watched on my dad's lap on Sunday mornings, uh, and it's like my first experience of Trek. That in the movies, so I like it. I think that's in the top three. You got Trek, you got TNG, mm-hmm. and you got Deep Space Nine. But top two, come on, it, it's better than Deep Space Nine, really? Because there's no isn't. fucking way it's better than TNG. No, my, my top three in order from one to three uh-huh. is Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Original Series. Sure. And and the fact that Voyager falls outside of that top three, uh, th- there's a big demarcation between mm-hmm. the top three and number yeah. four. And there are only like two others. Like yeah. you got Enterprise, Enterprise no and fucking, Discovery yeah, yeah. and now Picard. Like the list the isn't very series. long. So to say that it's in the top 50th percentile <laughs> is like... Yeah. Okay, uh-huh, uh-huh. fine. TNG is not the most amazing show in the world either. Yeah, but I love it. And this is a pretty outside opinion. This is kind of like waltzing into a uh, Fast and Furious conversation and be like, I think arguably Tokyo Drift is in like the top six. Come on, oh, that's God. an that's an outlier opinion, Mister or Mrs. Shields. I-, I will say that Voyager, to its credit, feels so much more like Star Trek to me than anything that came after it. That's like, true. Enterprise doesn't feel like Star Trek to me. Discovery yep. definitely doesn't. This doesn't really. Yeah. Like Voyager had that Star Trek essence. Yeah. Uh, going it, into the unknown. Yeah. The... So uh, it's not. It's not going to be that bad. Yeah. But like it's a hundred, like hundred and forty hours of television to get yeah. through Voyager. Uh-huh. There's no fucking way I was going to watch that much Voyager. <sighs> I kind of want to, uh, eventually. I don't like that... the characters. What it comes down to is yeah. Tom Paris is a nothing yeah. of a character. Uh, the only characters that I like are like. Chakotay and Janeway, or mm-hmm. sorry, not Chakotay, Tuvok and Janeway, mm. and then the rest of them are just like, eh, to okay. I like the Klingon engineer lady, Milana Torres. Yeah, I thought she was pretty cool. I don't remember enough of her storyline to really cool. remember the EMS. Yeah, seven yeah, and the, nine. the Doctor I like. I think Seven and Nine's got like I a, stopped watching some, before she same. got really going. That's the that's the thing. It's like you know, like I guess the thing is, is I'm friends with a guy who runs a a YouTube channel that got pr- prominence by dismantling Star Trek Voyager. So it's like I don't know. It's a tough sell. Voyager's yeah. a tough sell on me. I was at the height of my Trek fandom, and I turned it off at the end of season two. Yeah. 
that's same here you know like none of the other star treks did that to me so you get the, the captain proton episode you got that once upon a time episode that i watched which mm -hmm. is large portions of that are mm -hmm. bullshit uh see let's move on to john uh i don't know i don't know how the writing assignments work on this show but whoever is writing the stuff like this week's beautiful scenes between hugh and picard needs to write more of them Picard at the end of his life reflecting on what he stood for and what he's done and where he is now. That's the part of the show that really works. This was felt in the opening scenes of episode one and that beautiful scene with Data. The same is true mm -hmm. of this scene last week when Picard sighs at seven second question about regaining all of his humanity. Yeah. Uh, this is what I want out of Star Trek Picard. I want it to be focused on this, these types of reflections. Yes, he's had 30 years that we haven't seen and he's a different man today, which is fine because of course he is. No full human being wouldn't change over time. But these thoughtful scenes where we connect the threads between this Picard and that one should really be the backbone of all of the narratives here. When we see Hugh and we see the love he has for this man who saved him from hell, that's important. When Picard has a realization that this is the true nature of the Borg, they are this monstrous force of unyielding domination, but really these cubes are giant cages of victims. That stuff is the good stuff and they need more of it. The cartoony mustache twirling villains and playing dress up on casino planets, the modern dialogue and disc accordant dives into after school special territory that I've come to expect from Kurtzman and company be much easier to deal with and would fade gently into the background if only they would provide more of this good Picard stuff where he's reflective and thoughtful and actually Picard, not a weird, patchy, uneven version of the man we all know from seven series of a TV show and four movies. Yeah, I broadly agree. Yep. Like... They just need to let give him some good dialogue and let Picard be Picard. Um, and it's, I don't know, but the thing is, is that's an art like running a sh having a good showrunner and a good stable of writers is the foundation of mm -hmm. every fucking TV show that I think is great that I've ever, ever seen. Yeah. I've seen lots of examples where things look great and the acting is amazing and the story writing is garbage and you can't, it's like cover your eyes bad. Um, and I've seen lots of examples where you have a bunch of no names that haven't acted they uh, haven't acted in anything before where maybe the set design is cheaper and stuff, but they're amazingly written and you you don't remember all of the rough uh, patches. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't understand why like CBS doesn't spend like it can't be that hard. It yeah. can't be that hard to find writers that are nostalgic for that grew up watching TNG. Like you should be able to swing a stick in Hollywood and hit ten oh, of them. You do for sure. So like you might have to pay, you know, instead of like running a writers' room for a million, you might have to run it for five million, uh, and and you might have to do one less slock sliding slock sock sliding scene in the board cube. But uh. it's a trade off I'm willing to make. Uh, Dominic, I have to agree that Expanse is a fundamentally superior science fiction show to not only New Trek, but nearly every other entry unto space. I watch both Picard and Discovery, and while I enjoy a lot of the character work in Discovery, the second season, as a plot, indecipherable mess. I feel like Abrams and company just decided only the original Star Trek was any good, and to just be that, relentless and brazen, and they are wrong to think all Trekkers would agree with that. And on top of it, it seems like they only care for movie Trek and not so much the series. I don't know where to put the blame because, well, in part, the new gen of Star Trek or the 90s lost its way. Deep Space Nine was great, but Voyager, some of those episodes are near unwatchable. I mean, all Trek that I'm aware yeah. of has near unwatchable episodes. Um, I'll take your word for it that they came faster and fear more furious in Voyager. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sympathetic to that view, but just want to point that out that... <laughs> 
They're not all great. Mostly because they're a retake or rehash of something from the same writers that already done in TNG or Deep Space exactly. Nine. Now that feels yep. like a lot of the plots that I have been reading that are like foundational for understanding these uh, Picard plots seem mm-hmm. like they are rehashes of things they already did on TNG. Right. I mentioned how that that the bio each is yeah. essentially the same as Hugh. Right. It's just done it Voyager. So that's exactly. the reference. Just wanted to rant. Um, I just wanted to rant because I'm feeling at this point that J.J. has not only nearly ruined Star Trek, but also Star Wars, and why I feel like Picard and Discovery are better than the new old crew movies. They're just all okay. I'm not even a purist. I'm looking for a new Trek, but all I'm getting is old Trek. I find myself thinking on The Expanse most of the time, promoting it through word of mouth wherever I can and hoping that Amazon changes its publishing tactic to go to a weekly format. Certainly Mm -hmm. deserves to get a bit more of the spotlight with science fiction being so big right now. Here's hoping. I hope too. I hope so, too. I heard in an interview that Bezos said that he was happy with the way the season of Expanse went. Um, I mean, that's good on one hand and bad on the other. Because it means they're probably not going to change up the business model, but there will be future seasons. Yeah, I I just really hope it doesn't drop at midnight on December 24th next year. uh, Because if we had any kind of room to maneuver at all, I would love to give it full full series coverage. It's it's amazing. Yeah, I agree with the emailer here. I think it's the best piece of science fiction that's Mm -hmm. been done on television in a decade. Like, Mm -hmm. Battlestar Galactica is the last thing I can think of where I got this into a sci-fi series. Mm -hmm. Um, But I... The, the remake, obviously. I do agree. I think that, I don't know, maybe and maybe it's true that you te- you Star trek out Star Trek for a while. Mm-hmm. That you had a series that, you know, was built on answer, you know, like tackling a bunch of societal questions. It waited for 20 years, had some movie success. Then you bring back The Next Generation as a syndicated show, and you do seven seasons of that, and you essentially tell every story you can possibly tell in space. And then Deep Space Nine had to have a new angle. That's the thing. At the same time, you were also like all of these shows sort of halfway overlap. Like Deep yeah. Space Nine sort of yeah. overlapped TNG yep. and Voyager on Deep Space Nine, and like there was there was this constant churn of Star Trek that yeah I think could have Star Trek and Voyager out like all these make sense. And Voyager was a reaction to that. Like you got to get Voyager away from the Alpha Quadrant so we yeah. can plausibly have these you know these experiences all. It's to a its really own. strong premise, I think. Yeah, I think it's a very strong premise. Um, But I argue, I've been trying to argue that uh, we're ready for another just classic track. We're ready for a chuck wagon to the stars type of thing. Some a competent crew of mm-hmm. really well fleshed out personalities that will slowly establish a relationship. You don't even have to have these plot lines going into the series. You just need to have yeah. strong archetypal characters that say something about the human condition. Throw them together for a couple seasons and see what comes out of it. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, and have them explore the universe and have them find thinly veiled allegories to things that we're constantly going through right now. Because, yeah. like I said, I thought when we got out of the 90s and into the 2000s, I thought like we had completely, we are on pace to avoid the eugenics wars of the 21st century. Boy, mm-hmm. we're going to be have a head start on the Star Trek utopia. Not so much anymore. Mm. Seems like we're struggling with things like warlords and complex Middle Eastern politics and, you know, people with, you know, delusions of grandeur in parts of Europe and uh, and, yeah. and, 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 and so many home. new things. Right. Like the idea that information yeah. isn't quite what it was before. Yeah. Right. Like, where do you get your information? How reliable is it? Uh, you know, all, all of those things could be explored in a new yeah. Star Trek. And like. The interesting thing to me is I watched The Ready Room this week um, for this episode, and they had Jerry Ryan on, who wasn't 
wasn't on this week's episode, but mm-hmm. talking about last. Uh, but then they had Rod Rod Roddenberry on mm, his son, um, yeah, Gene Roddenberry's son, who is an executive producer on the show, mm-hmm. and he was speaking my language. He knew exactly. He understood Star Trek in the exact same way I understand Star Trek. Yeah. And I just don't see that influence being exerted strongly enough on New Trek. It seems to me that the blame here lies with Paramount. Yeah. Not necessarily with any of the the people writing the thing. Paramount has just said, this is what Star Trek is to us now. Yeah. And they haven't listened to the people who, in my opinion, made Star Trek such yeah. a success before. And there's a danger, I think, to listening to Roddenberry's vision a little too close because a lot of what's wrong with the first few seasons of Star Trek, The Next Generation, is him yeah. really, you know, putting the ham-fisted, you know, really banging those keys hard on some of the, mm-hmm. the, the some of the premises are just really dumb and dopey. Yeah. Because um, Star Trek, the original series, had a lot of premises that were dumb and dopey. Mm-hmm. Um, and like having a little bit of darkness and a little bit of grim reality and a little bit of, you know, uh, the, the sheen scrubbed off of Star Trek's not a bad thing. But I think they've gone way too far, yeah. way too far into grim darkness, and uh, they need to they need to course correct. Need to. Find the way to what was that the the, the super teleporter technology? Yeah, the spatial trajectory. They need a sure. spatial trajector themselves into a new track. I mean, certainly as a almost forty year old Star Trek fan, mm-hmm. that's how I feel. Yeah, I I got to imagine kids that grew up watching J.J. Abrams Star Trek probably don't feel that way. Yeah. It's funny because I stopped. This is the first week I didn't watch The Ready Room because I I watched the first one. I'm like, oh, it's kind of I'm interested in seeing this, and I started background watching because. Some of those interviews aren't great with Will Wheaton. I'm sorry, but I'm kind of interested to see what uh, yeah. Gene Roddenberry. And I'm hoping they get. I'm hoping they're getting Mr. Frakes themselves because he's been directing some of these episodes. Uh, according to the preview, Riker's going to be in next week. They yep. got to get. They got to get Riker. Got get the Frakes. The they, they had a nice clip of him in the background directing nice. uh, one of the episodes. Like he was just directing the scene where Seven of Nine and Picard meet for the first time, mm-hmm. and. He just looks over and he's like, I love this job. <laughs> and and you can tell he really does. It's, yeah, it must really great. feel like, you know, coming home when, especially when you get to work with like uh, Jonathan Stewart and but, Jonathan Patrick Stewart. Stewart. Yeah. Yeah. He's joined the writer's room. Yeah. Patrick Stewart had a son named him after Frakes. And... After John Stewart, apparently. <laughs> okay. We are going to leave it at that. Uh, Picard at baldmove.com is how you can get your thoughts in for consideration. We'll be at. We will be back next week for the seventh episode of Star Trek Picard. Mm -hmm. Uh, Until then, I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.